Blog Talk Radio. Look at it. Every there's a 
limited space when you're in, I would say something like a cubicle, you know what I'm saying? And uh, anyway, it's, it's got to be pretty hard in order to try to keep that um, away from somebody like that, you know, and and if you look at it, that's how this uh, virus is spread because it is goes through uh, the coughing and the sneezing of people that are basically around each other. And, and you know, uh, Brother Daniel, as you were saying, I was just thinking that, uh, you know, the question has been rendered, what can we do? We can petition our elected officials. We can petition the board, uh, the, uh, the board of uh, corrections. We can petition our local officials and ask them, hey, are we making provisions? Are we making a way? Uh, now, it's overcrowded. Now, are you going to let our brothers and sisters out that have a minimum charge on them? Something that for, you know, for a minor charge, can you let them out with papers in hand saying that they need to report back in several months to straighten this out? We realize that, you know, you've been caught in a fault. It may be your fault and it may not be, but we need to get this legal matter straightened out. But we're going to let you go on your trustworthiness that you're going to come back. And while you're out, you're not going to call any more trouble. And we'll let you out to uh, be with your family to take it so you can be in good health. We can petition them for that. Amen, amen. Well, I, mean, I think it's really, you should basically, uh, I think the governor really got a lot of control of all this that was going on because, you know, like uh, the governor and the president about the two people can really uh, petition to let a person out of incarceration or being locked up. And if you think the situation is really serious enough for a person that's that's uh has committed a crime and it's not really serious. And basically, if it's serious enough for you to write him a fine, uh, if you are not having court, a court system right now, and I see one thing, I think right now, they're not having any courts. And basically, if you locked up right now and you got a charge and you basically do it to the mercy of the system because you are like you're in, in limbo, and you're waiting for this uh, sheltered-in-place situation to end. So at the same time, this virus is running rampant, and it's steady being spread. And uh, I think today, I, last night, I was looking at, uh, I think, one of the places, Dallas Life Foundation. I think they had 171 people that had tested and out of them testing these 171 people, 17 people came up infected. So if you look at that, and you look at the numbers, I would say are mostly uh, in a tank. And you know, like, uh, you work downtown yourself, don't you, Reverend Lewis? Yes, I do. They have, uh, they have do, people locked up in tanks and tanks. And it's two towers. It's a north tower and it's a south tower. And it was these tanks, all these men and the women are locked up around each other. And like I'm saying, we don't know how really if, if it's spread in the air or is the air um, the circulation is, uh, you know, really is clear. Uh, we don't know whether they have uh, access to wash their hands every day. I don't know that. We do do that. Are they offering them soap and water? You know? Yeah, yes. They get so, those things there, but there's other things. But only because of social distance, Ricky. Uh, Brother Daniel, you said any of these uh, correction, uh, correction institutes. It's just a social distance. We didn't see it on TV, and we may have even experienced where they throw you in jail, and it's already overcrowded. They put... 20 people mm-hmm. in the tank when the tank only built for 10 people, people at tank. normal capacity. And so we know how that can be. And so and we're still experiencing that today. 
And so, and you know, God. and with the shelters and the street people that you was referring to, we'll get back to the jail because we got a guest that's going to call in and we're going to talk about that. But I was just thinking, and you know, too, that even the street, you know, the men and women that lived on the street, uh, they had mm-hmm. not been able to do the uh, 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 the shelter in place because if they go to a place, they're not going to let them out. That's the same with Dallas Life. Dallas Life is not letting people go in and out because they don't know mm-hmm. where you've been. They can't track you, so they'll keep you there. But they need to know if you already been exposed to it while you're there. So I'm pretty sure that most of the shelters, if not all of them, are checking people as they're in the shelter and not allowing them to go in and out. And then, then mm-hmm. you got those that don't want to go to the shelter, those that don't want to follow the rules and regulations of society. I ain't saying a mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas. I'm talking about a society. You know, yeah. and so those are the ones that we really have to be mindful of. And we, we don't want to give up on them. But we also don't want them to be, uh, 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 you know, carriers of the dreadful disease. So we need to kind of get with them. And they have mobile mm-hmm. kiosks, man. That I, and I was talking to our health physician some time ago. They have mobile kiosks that goes out and, and and see what people are clustered up at and and try to check their vital sign and check them for virus. But then once you check them, there's still a couple of days delay on it. So you got to get back with them to tell them the report. And a lot of times mm-hmm. people are. In, uh, people are transient; they don't stay in one place. Yeah, stay so in one place. Find out that Joe Joe Blow got something. Next, in three days, Joe Blow may not be at that spot anymore. So you can't notify him. You can tell some people that may mm-hmm. know him that have. Hey, but we have our guest on the line this morning, brother Daniel. We're gonna bring them in, and you'll listen to another great episode of Free on the Inside Ministry Podcast. We do this each and every week. We thank you for being a part. Me and Brother Daniel, we've been doing this for a number of years, and we have great guests and great topics. You two could join in the conversation at this here number. It's at 310-982-4126. Please call in and lend your voice to the program. If not, share this number with someone, 310-982-4126. Share that number with someone so they can be in power. You know, man, is a terrible thing to waste. Information is a terrible thing to waste. Your take and your experience is a terrible thing to waste. So why not share that with someone? You can start right today. Share it with us, 310-982-4126. Now we're going to bring our guest in this morning here. This is Michael Sneed, and we're going to talk about the coronavirus behind bars and also about the jail reform uh, program which he's heavily embedded in, and Mike is uh Mike is definitely on the forefront. He's definitely making a difference, and he's not by himself. He helps a host of other people that he's uh with, and so as he's uh, sharing information with us and for us, take note of this information and ask yourself, what can I do to help change a life? In Jesus' name, not in your name, not in your ministry name, but in Jesus' name. You know, our program said being free on the inside. I give you that freedom to do the things that God put to your hands to do in Jesus' name. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Brother Lewis. Oh, thank you, thank you, brother. You know, you always been a great friend of the show, and thank you for lending your voice. And with a topic that is well needed, man, we need to discuss some of these things because we see how the well, country is going, how the county is going, how the city is going. But yet, it's something that's been, it's something missing. It's something that's missing well, on all the reports that we've been receiving. So, talk to me about this jail, well, about the coronavirus behind bars. That's what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> Well, I'm I'm more concerned for uh, incarcerated brothers and sisters because they're they're offenses, you know what I mean. And unless we fight for them or help them from the outside, all they can do is uh, lay up and catch the the uh, disease and die or whatever. You know, our jail, our sheriff tells us that uh, um, they have them quarantined and that uh, they they try to tell the public that it's in control, but yet they tell us every day that the jail is overcrowded. So if the jail is overcrowded, how are you able to quarantine these guys? And so I'm I'm in question on that, and I have asked top to investigate that situation along with the release of the inmates that they released. I want to know how many minorities are being released out of uh, these people that's being released. 
because uh, as you can see, we always get to the tail end of everything. It's, it's not been any testing in Menard's neighborhood. I haven't heard of any testing in Oak Cliff. I haven't heard of any testing in South Dallas. I haven't heard of any testing in West Dallas. So what about the minority? What do we do? Just lay up and catch it and die? And I'm sure so many of us got it. As you were saying a while ago, it's hard to keep up with them because they move around. A lot of them move around so much from shelter to shelter, neighborhood to neighborhood, and it's hard to keep up and find out who's got what and what unless you test in all these percentages in all these neighborhoods. <clears throat> I know you saw on the news yesterday where they, the whole shelter was evacuated. And, I mean, that's sad when, you know, the whole shelter is being evacuated and they have to move these guys mm-hmm. to a hotel. And so uh, that shows you that the times are tough and we don't know who's got it. And this guy that runs the shelter, I know for a fact that he keeps that shelter so tight they cannot even get out the gate. He has not been letting them get out the gate since this box. Mm. He cannot step out that gate. Now, how is this getting in? Unless they're bringing it in. Unless some people are already there that's undetected. Unless some people that are already there. We're not testing. So you, 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 you brought up the a, a valid point there. That's the main thing. Like you said, we need to be tested. But they, they're not testing us. They're testing uh, the rich people. You know, they're not worried about it. As you can see, all the rich people, the president, the governor, John Wiley Price, and all these people, they're not even wearing masks. They want us to wear masks, yeah. but they're not wearing masks. What do they know that we don't know? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? What they're not they wearing masks. You know, they want to open up places. They're telling you that it's open up these places, and they're not testing, but they're not going to go to any of these places. They're that, not going to see them down at the local mall and, and shopping right. and stuff. That's right. And sitting up that's in right. restaurants. Like and they say, well, that's the, right. counter, the major D going to have a mask on and gloves, and you should be okay. Yeah, but what are they doing behind the counter? What are they doing in the back there? Yeah. How do I know it's a major thing? It's really terrible because, like I said, <clears throat> you know, if you look at it in a way, it's like another way of targeting the minority people, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, they've hit us so many times with so many different diseases trying to wipe us down and keep us keep our numbers down. You know, they've hit us many times over the decades with something. And so this is not something that just popped up. One person spreaded all this virus, all this flu. You know, it's something that was sprayed on us. You see what I'm saying? And, and they know how to stay away from it. We, they know that we're going to get out. I don't care how you say quarantine. The black man is going out. You understand what I'm saying? It's in his blood. He's going to go out. He's not scared to go. We've been we've been in lockdown all our life. Segregation. Scared to come out because Jim Crow going to hang us or this or that. So we're not afraid to be locked down. But they're afraid to be locked down. And so we're going to get out. Yeah. In faith, black people believe in faith. They believe in Christ. But Christ don't expect us to be a fool, but black people still step out on faith. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And you so, said something there. You said something there, too. They don't expect us to be fools. So we need to use all the stuff that's available to us, and we need to follow the CDC direction and guidance regarding right. some of these right. things, with that social distance and covering up in public places. But as we was talking about our brothers that are behind bars, they don't have that opportunity. What can we do? No. Can we do anything, though, Mike? Well, we've been fighting to get them released. If, if a guy is in there for, for misdemeanor, why are you going to keep him? And it's a disease that's swarming the jail. Why are you going to keep a man for sitting on the bus stop, a man for riding the bus free, a man for maybe trying to get something out of the store because he was hungry? I can understand killers and robbers and stuff, somebody that may need to be in there be a threat to our society, but somebody that's no threat, why would you keep him in there for this? You see what I'm saying? So we're we fighting for that. And they, as so far as you can see, they released uh, a thousand uh, inmates this the past week. So um, that's another thing we're going to keep fighting for, you know, because it's, it's part of the bond reform that we've been fighting for too, because black people can't afford bonds. You know, and so it, it's hard, yeah. you know, in minority, it, it's just hard. So um, another thing about the, the money, hey, everybody's so excited and, and about the $1,200, okay? That's just something that the government is using to pacify the black man. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, while we all die. Uh, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Some people die before they even get the money. So it's a pacifier mm, for us, and we're not even realizing. We're jumping and hollering and talking about $1,200 and calling, 
and IRS is our money coming, free money, and these folks trying to kill us. I would say it's just like putting a, putting a carrot in front of the, uh, a donkey, a mule. That's exactly it's what like, it is. And we grabbing the money and dying as soon as we touch it. And going that outside. That don't make sense. Going mm-hmm. outside to spend it. They know that's what you're going to do. They know the black man's going to do this. The white man, I don't, I'm, I'm not a racist guy. I'm just speaking the way it is. Now, when they get the I mean, it's just common sense, Bert Sneed. That's just common yes. sense, you know. When yes, people sir, get you know, money, their hands get they the itch. That's what right. my dad is. If you put money in your hands, your hands start itching. You got to spend it. You got to go. You got to go. Like you said, black people do not like to be inside. They they like to believe and step out in faith. And then at the same time, having faith and being ignorant are two different things. You know what I'm saying? Right, that's it. Yes, yes. And we need to we need to as leaders. Uh, we need to kind of inform and try to guide our black brothers and sisters and, and, and on on following the guidelines, seeing that your kids follow the guidelines, seeing that your kids are protected, seeing that they're protected. We have to we have to step up and enforce it. Even if we don't want to, when we see somebody we know or somebody we love. Hey, where's your mask? Hey, what's come on? And you know better. Just push it up because the thing is, they're not over here to try to. Stop us. The, the cops are riding around South Dallas and see these guys caked up on the corners like always and never saying a thing, never pulling over, asking them about them being six feet or nothing like that because in South Dallas, they don't care. You hmm. see what I'm saying? But you go out there in North Dallas and you caked up like that, they're going to be stepping on your feet. Hey, man, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Have you heard anybody in South Dallas say back up because you're too close yeah. to somebody? So it's, no. it's, 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 so it's tough, man. It's tough, and, and like I said, it's it's affecting us as black people more than anything, you know. And they're not telling the whole story. They finally come out to say that more black people are dying or catching it, but they still not. They're not telling us how many black people are being tested, you know. So um, they should have one of their machines in South Dallas Shopping Center, one of their machines in the Lancaster Keys Shopping Center. Uh, one of the machines in the West Dallas shopping center. I mean, that's where we need a machine at. And that's what we need to uh, fight what for. Are you talking test, about, test what kind people. of machine are you talking about now? Tested tested my people for, for the virus. We you need say to a machine test tested or what? Well, they st- what do you mean? The stimulant test. Oh, they stick to, they stick those those swabs up in your up in your nose. Head. Yeah, up in your nose, and then uh, run that light across your your forehead. Oh, you're talking about the the temperature, testing yeah, temperature. Yeah, the temperature and stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. but you know it's it's still you know the thing is uh, you know another thing is that you know we can go to South Dallas and Oak Cliff and we can test a lot of people, and when they say well you got it, uh, just imagine how many brothers gonna take off running. Because they don't want to go through that fourteen day quarantine. <laughs> just just imagine how many people are gonna deny that because they don't want to be locked down like that. They don't want to be locked down. So that's what that's why we have to try to take control before it gets wild like that and have to worry about these people running from uh people not taking the quarant taking the quarantine and spreading it more and more and more. So uh, uh it's it's a tough situation and the and the brothers in jail like I said before, you know, they have it very hard. They have it very People don't imagine, unless you've been incarcerated, and I'm sure some of you guys, if not all of you, have been incarcerated because that's just something that runs through. But uh, it's hard for them at this time because uh, the black man, the, the man incarcerated, his fear is, his number one fear is, you know, getting out, being free, losing his mother and father. But another big fear for him is him getting out alive, his medical. Because they know that TDC and the county jail does not do anything for the sick man. You, 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 anybody out there can witness to that. That as far as getting good medical treatment and incarcerated, you're not going to get it. You know, I remember when I went in the no, prison. No, you're not going to get it. No, no, you're not going to get it. That's a, that's a proven fact there, brother. And I'm glad you brought that up because, as you had stated earlier, you said some valid points to how they need to reduce the population in the jail for minor crimes and and little misdemeanors, they need to kind of give them a, uh, you know, a, a citation, a set of court dates for a later date 
exactly. with the uh, verbal commitment that they're not going to mess up anymore. They'll come to court and exactly. they resolve this exactly. problem. They don't have to lock up everyone. And you said the same thing that we face out here, Mike. On a day-to-day basis concerning a, a dreadful disease in this pandemic is what our brothers and sisters are facing on a daily basis. It's more dreadful for them because once they get That's sick, right. once they fall ill, they don't get that, that proper medical care or that swift medical care. Let me ask something. Let me let me ask both of y'all something. Don't they get some kind of funding or some kind of money from the government or the state for every man who's locked up? Yeah, but they're not going to use it on it. They're not going. Okay, let's use the same example. They get money for every man, medical, food, and everything. Okay. I will use it. I don't have any kids, and I don't pay child support. But I get my wife money for child support, and I take care for take care of my kids. But my kids running around snotty nose, don't have shoes and clothes, and nothing. So what's going on? You understand what I'm saying? I get my wife. They force me to get my wife money for child support. But my kids don't have food. They don't have clothes. What's going on? I'm giving her seven, eight hundred dollars a month. Why my kids ain't got food? Why my kids are she taking care of them? No, that's the same thing with the jail. The government they mm-hmm. putting them numbers in there, but they not taking care of people. You see what I'm saying? They tell us what they pay for each meal, what they pay for that, and you go in and eat one of them meals that they paying two or three dollars for that you wouldn't even give a quarter for. You'd rather have a Roman noodle soup than eat it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I know I'm just trying to be logical. I'm just trying to be logical. Some of that stuff I wouldn't give to a dead man. You know what I'm saying? Some of yeah, that stuff they force people to give to a dead man. man. That's right. It, yeah. it makes you yeah. sick when they stick it through man. the hole. When they yeah. stick it through the hole, you get sick. You need a doctor in when you see what they're putting through there for you to eat. <laughs> so hey, my dad used to say they call it some on a on a shingle. That's on the shingle. That's what they give it to you. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. uh, if you look at it, it's all part of the system, man. You know, like uh you know, the incarceration system really it was it was developed because it taught torture. Right. In order for you to torture a man and make a man feel lower because, they, number one, they thought if they make him feel bad, he wouldn't come back. You know what I'm saying? So they figured if you don't want to keep you comfortable, you ain't going to come back. But but most of the time, most people can't help themselves because they're coming back because, mostly, that's all they know. And you know what I'm saying? The, the force, the force, the police force, he gonna make, a lot of times they force guys to come back that may not even be doing them because he got a record. He's being accused or he's being pushed for something very small. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, the police stop you and say me and you together and my record is bad and then you, your record is just small and they won't take both of us to jail because it's a stolen car or it's a warrant or something is out. You understand what I'm saying? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think about it so much is that uh, I'm going way back. Bonnie and Clyde. They make Bonnie and Clyde look like they were some really bad guys. But the law made them what they are. If you go mm. back and read the history, the laws made them what they were. They were just some poor boys trying to get something to eat. And the law, Dallas laws just pushed them and pushed them. Now, if, you look at it, if you look at the Clyde Barrow story, now I did some research on that too, bro. So, you know, if you look at Clyde Barrow's uh, background, he was tortured in jail itself. That's basically yeah, yeah. why he called himself going, getting back at the, at the at the system because they had tortured right. him in jail. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so it's a lot of times they make us bad guys look like bad guys when they make us bad guys. Y'all already know what happens in jail. They make us a good guy. I was, I was listening last night about uh, uh, Jesse James. Uh, Jesse James, reason why he did what he did, because the government and, 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 and tortured his mom and daddy. You know, and made yeah. him turn to a, a, a law. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what goes on. And, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. people on both sides of the fence. And, and some people out there mad at the government for what he's doing for people in jail or what he's doing for minorities. And they start stuff. They bomb stuff. They run into the police station and they do stuff because 
There's people on that side that don't want to see nothing good come to the minorities. No, no, no. Let me ask you something, bro. I know you said something today. I know they had something like a, a task force meeting with the, all the city commissioners and, and judge Clay acting. And you said something yeah. about uh, uh, Brother Price saying something. He didn't want people to wear a mask. So, so what, what, what's all about? What's all this about? Well, let me show you something. Brother Price started off being our quarterback, playing in our field. And now he's just not doing it because everything I go, I, everything we go to the county commissioner and Judge Clay with, the main person that objects to everything we go to is John Wiley Price. We fought, fought, fought to get the phone to get the phone bills cut down in the county jail, and we finally got it cut down to six in a minute. That was me. I was on the Dallas Morning News. I was in the, on the news. We fought, fought, and the only person on that board out of all those county commissions that fought against us was John Wiley Price asking about how much money, saying about how much money that the county was going to lose, how many millions of dollars that the county was going to lose for dropping that price today. Are you worried about the money that the county making? Are you worried about how you ripping off the minority for their money, that they can't feed their kids or nothing or pay bills because you want the county to get money? Whose side are you on? You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you're saying, so you're saying a person to make a call, if he's an inmate, if he want to call his uh, people at home, going to cost how much a minute? It don't cost but six cents right now. It's been changed. Six, six cents. cents a minute. Okay. And you, that's it. It's down to nothing. When it was all the way up to, what, close to $1.60 a minute. And then six cents a minute right now. And so we, okay. we're making a difference. I'm trying to make a difference. And we have to stand up. We have to go in front of Judge Clay. And we have a lot of people not liking Judge Clayton, but he is Clayton is a good guy. He's for he's for everybody. He's been through a lot. If you hear his story, he's been through a lot himself. And so, like I say, John Wiley Price just flipped the fence on us. I don't know why. You know, um, a lot of our leaders flip the fence. Y'all already know how that go. You know, they shut down our apartment, says drug confessed to the next thing you know. Uh, certain commissioners or certain city councils own that property or building something in there, you know. Hey, <laughs> it's just tough. It's tough on minorities. You know, it's still the same. Black people selling black people. You know what I mean? Ain't nothing so, changed. Just in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so what you were saying, if you make this a, if you make this a national or uh, citywide thing that everybody outside should wear a face mask on their face, it should also be the same thing with with a, with a police officer. Everybody, or, everybody, everybody should That's do right. the same thing. Everybody you see ought to look like a duck with a mask on. With a mask you know on, I mean? everybody, everybody, police, everybody. Police, everybody. But we all breathing on each other. We all breathing. So you telling me it's all right for him to give it to me, but not for me to give it to him. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? If Mm -hmm. he don't wear one, that's what you're saying. So I I think everybody, everybody, if you're going to quarantine, quarantine the city. I don't think it's time to open up. A lot of people think it's time to open up. A lot of people have different reasons why they want it to open up. My brother, he wants it to open up. We argue, we fuss. He wants it to open up just so he can go down to the park, go down to, uh, what's that, uh, uh, Blind Park, where they hang out and talk on their CBs. And, uh, why would you be so interested in going down to the, go out in the driveway and talk on your CB? Why go out and risk your life and other people's life and you worried about opening the park up? You see what I'm saying? That's selfish. That's selfish. selfish. Hey, hey. And you know, yourself. you know, Mike. You know that is so true. Though you know, we need to uh, we need to expand our thinking regarding that. There, you know, you know, we talking about. I just want to get on out to go socialize. You know, man, those those days have passed. Now you got to take matters to your it's own. Because you see, our government yeah, man, is yeah. giving us limited access to stuff, or not giving us nothing at all. So you got to take matters to your own hands. You know, you just can't let go out like that. And I would say. And I would say this COV-19 has changed our way of living for the next forever for us because it's not going to get right before we die. It's going to take 100 years. We done went back so far. I mean, 
they may not never be able to have school again in school. How can you have kids in the classroom and six feet apart and everybody with a mask? How can you have how many students can you have in the classroom? No, another thing, all these old teachers. That's another thing. So it's, it's a lot of old women and older men as teachers. You know, they've been in there to teach professors right. for years. That's right, for years. And so, that, like you said, it's something that we might as well learn that we got to grow into. This is a new thing. We can't go to the movies like we used to. We got to get on YouTube and start watching movies. Having movies in our house, it's changed. We can't go sit up in there and have popcorn and hug up with our woman and other people right next to us and, we got to be six feet apart from our girl at the movie. What kind of movie huh. is that? <laughs> and, you know, you're taking her for romance to the movie. And you got to be six feet. You can't go to the club. You can't dance because you can't touch her. You see what I'm saying? Are you going to get ran out? <laughs> so what kind of, what kind of, we have to realize our life is being changed. We might as well adopt to what's going on right now until it can get better. Find out ways to make it. Find out ways to get in the backyard and barbecue and be a distant and enjoy and laugh and have a good time while the real cooks. We got to figure out how to do that. You see what I'm saying? We got to figure okay, out how to do that. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question now. You know, I don't, I'm not trying to put nobody on the spot or nothing like that, but, uh, you know, and I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a man of God now. And I, Amen. I know Amen. that when, when, when things happen, and and a lot of people say, well, God don't do nothing to hurt nobody, and God don't do that, and God ain't doing. I mean, God is getting our attention. God is getting our attention. Well, you know it or not, or well, you some people believe it or not. He just basically he wants to change. If you ain't gonna change, I'm gonna change it for you. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something right now. You are so, so right, 100%. If you just look back at what's going on, God is trying to get the people's attention. And if you look at what's going on, we're losing some good soldiers. We got some good soldiers on the line that's going down, but we got some more soldiers that don't need to be up that's going down. And so God is, is, is making a change. We got homosexuals. We got gay people. We got this. And then you know all these diseases and all this stuff that's coming up. Who do it affect the most? Them. Bad immune system, they say. This and that. Because God is trying to clean it out. Get it, get the work it out. Get the people that's affecting everybody out. We're going to have to go through something to, to get this done. You see what I'm saying? Mm. And so that's you right. God is doing it. If you notice, I, I hate to say this a lot because a lot of people get mad at me. And a lot of people be from New Orleans when I say that. But God don't want all this voodoo and witchcraft. And he's cleaning these cities. You see how many times he's hitting New, New Orleans and in Louisiana? Because he wanted clean. <laughs> You should have said he wanted yeah, clean. He's not just wiping yeah, it off. He's not going to wipe it off. He wanted clean. Yeah, so that's another thing. I look at it. I look at that, too. And I tell you, you know? what, we got a mighty God. I love Jesus, man. And you said you're a Christian. Let me tell you what, I love Jesus more than anybody. Ain't no woman can take him away. Nothing. That's my number one thing because he's been so good to me, man. And I do what I do because yeah. he put it in me. I feed the homeless. I go talk with the juvenile. I go fight for the guys in jail. I did more than 35 years in prison. Nobody wiped my tears but Jesus Christ. Nobody helped mm. me when I got out but Jesus Christ. I ain't had a sister, a brother, a mother, a father that have done for me what Jesus does. And so I'm not here to preach, but I'm telling you, man, if you if you get up onto his bandwagon, you're on the right wagon. You know, that's for real. And you know that if you're a Christian. So so, so what I'm saying, brother Sneed, like, now we're talking in that vein right now. So when we say that, uh, incarceration and being locked up and having rules and the way people act and also we talking about spiritual matters, you know, all these spiritual matters being taught in the jail. Now I'm 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 being for real right now. Are they are they really teaching these people and, and basically that's how the penitentiary system and the penal system basically was drawn up in order to correct and correct and to make and, and you know, it was them to talk to you to, to better yourself and bring you out and put you out in the world in a better place. So is that are they really doing that? Okay. You know, 
Come on, man. Be for real. You're not a fool. You know they ain't doing that. You know good and well they're not doing anything to re- It's a business. It's a business. So, you know, it's a business from the time you get arrested to the time you get released. The judges get a certain amount of money for sending so many people. You understand what I'm saying? And so you may not know that, but it's, it's a click all the way from the beginning. That's why they don't want to cut you loose. They're making something by sending you to TDC. And then TDC gets you there. Then they put you in mop and broom, making mops and brooms for all over the country. Put you in mechanics, fixing cars and making cars. Fix you here, fix you here, cow and meat and this and that. TDC shouldn't even be getting one penny from the government. As much money as they make, as much stuff as they do in process, they shouldn't get not one penny. They ought to be giving something back to society. Am I right or wrong? Amen. Am I right? Somebody out there been to prison. Don't just sit like you ain't never been locked up. Yeah. They do everything they can for these guys. They make everything. They don't need money for nothing. They make the clothes. They don't have to say nothing. They, they grow the vegetables. They don't need a penny from, from society, from tax sure. Nothing. But they get now, now they get I want to chime in on this here, uh, uh, brother. Uh, 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 brother Daniel was saying about this Christian experience. Now it's available. Now it's up to brothers to grab hold to that there to make a life changing right. uh, effort That's in their right. life. Now that's available. Now uh, of the flip side of that is when brothers get out, they don't have the financial support uh, to do the right. thing that they need to do. Yes, God right. is available, but God is also a provider. But on the flip side, these men get out and go back to their neighborhood, and they can't go to the job because of the criminal background. They can't live in the neighborhood. They can't go to the family. They just can't get the resources they need. And then they kind of put their religion on the back in the back burner in their life. God is still able, but because of jail reform is not effective, that it's not allowing these brothers to experience the full totality of the Lord. So they let get me, the, they get me, the Christian experience, but because they can't get the job. You know, because they can't go back to their home. Because they can't get that education. Let's face it. When you get, uh, after incarceration, you have this criminal background and that you cannot go and get the job that you had, uh, you've been trained for, even in jail. Hey, I've been trained to be a welder. But when I get out, because I got a, uh, uh, I've been incarcerated for eight years, now I got a, a welding license. They said, well, I'm sorry, bro, we can't hire you now. You know, we don't need yeah. you now with a criminal background. And so we need to make the jobs more available. We need to make housing more affordable. Well, for our let me speak on, on that, too. Even in this part when I lived in, I had to have a background check. You know, they check your background. Well, the number one thing is mostly uh, uh, family violence is on. Family violence and drug cases. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brother Snead, you know, what you know, got to Well, look, here, let me speak on this. Okay, this is the way the map is grows. Y'all both are making some good points. Uh, you have to want to change and want religious while you're there. And you know what? 90 uh, to 95% of those guys, they want that. They want Jesus. They want to change. But once you step out that door, you've heard all those Bibles go in the trash. That don't mean that the religion is going in the trash or what they believe in or what they feel. But once they get to their destiny, Dallas, Houston, or wherever, that's when the test starts. If we ain't there to yes. grab them, to show them, it's over. It's over. So if we ain't there, the dope man is there. They need that. They need that courage right there. That's the minute they need that courage. Right when they step up, hey, brother, what's going on? I just got out. Yeah, I'm working at so-and-so, so-and-so. God is good to me, bro. This is my car. I done got married. They need something to, to push them on. They don't want to just think that they can make it. And, and see, that's a bad idol. One thing y'all said I didn't like about how hard it is to get a job. It's as hard as oh, you yeah, want it to course. be. You step out there and you let them people know I'm here to work. When I got my job, listen to this. This is the truth. I didn't know anything about construction or demolition. When I went out to the job, the man said, we're going to go out to the site. I went to the Dallas Water Treatment Plant. And I got the Dallas Morning News articles on this that I can show you and prove. I went out to the water treatment plant off of 45. He said, this is where we work in building the new administration building. 
I got out. He said, you get out the truck and walk around. I'm going over to the trailer. I got out. A white guy walked up to me and said, the Mexicans ain't going to work with you. Okay, that was enough for me to say, well, the heck with it. I'm gone, right? But now I walked over to the Mexicans and said, look, I just did more than 35 years in prison. I don't know shit about construction or demolition, but we finna work together. And do you know what? And, man, the next week they was bringing me more tacos and tamales than you would ever believe. I mean, they was bringing me. They loved me because I stood up. In two months, I got the newspaper article in my house. In two months, I was their boss man because I was determined. I didn't know anything. I was determined. God was leading me. You know, brother, you said something there. Because you said something there, just so you can finish the story, that you know the man told you that they wouldn't work with, but you went and confronted them. And you didn't do it in no angry way, but you let them know how sincere you were and how committed you were. And they accepted you. A lot of times we go by, well, what we done heard, a negativity. People say they ain't going to like you, so now you got a mindset they not going to like me. But if we can cut through all that negativity, I like what you've done. You went and just talked to them about that thing. I don't know what what the setting was, but it made a difference. That's what we have to do. You're never gonna you 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 you're not gonna make it. You need to say I'm gonna make it. People gonna say you're never gonna, right. be, I'm gonna uh, you're it. never gonna get this job. You say I'm gonna get this job in my own mind because great is he that's in me that's in the Lord, you know. Uh, Amen. You know, cause I'm, Amen. Gonna get, I'm gonna be successful. I like what you've done, and that's something that we have to uh, encourage our brothers and sisters, that's, uh, ex-offenders that is, that's living on the street, that they can be successful. You can be free on the inside. And who the son said free is free indeed. And I like what you were saying, bro. Come on, t- uh, come on now, tell me some more about that. Well, look, I'm gonna show you another instance. I had a friend. I told him about what I did, and he did something similar. That he got out. He was so used to working at garment factories and stuff like that. He got a job working at an assembly line. And he, he went to work there and put in his application. They said, we don't hire ex-offenders. We don't hire. He said, I'm not an ex-offender. I'm a child of God. I've been changed. And he said, well, I can't hire. The boss said, I can't hire. This guy was going to work every morning, walking in with the employees like he worked there because he was so used to getting <laughs> up so early in the morning. And he walked in and just went to work. Went to work, worked. he was working for nothing in the penitentiary, so he just said, well, I'm going to work until they hire me. And the man looked down and mm-hmm. one of the supervisors came into the place, and he said, who is that guy you got down there? Boy, that wasn't working, son of a gun. Boy, one of him, we can get rid of 10 people. And he said, he's a worker. And the man looked down and now to see who it was, and he ran down and said, I thought I told you we didn't hire. And he told him, he said, well, I worked down there for nothing, so I just decided I'd come in here and work with him, and they hired him. It, he made a top hand, getting paid top money right off the top, because he was determined. If I can't work for something, I'm going to work for nothing. I was doing it down there, so I'm going to do it here. And then he ended up gaining. And so we have to be determined. We have to, God is on our side, and, and God puts sometimes, like you said a while ago, sometimes he puts us through little t- tests and stuff. Everything is just to glorify him. You know what I'm saying? Everything yes. we go through, whether we believe it or not, is to glorify the Lord. You can say I'm suffering. You can say I this. Everything is for you to come out and tell them, Jesus Christ, he did this for me. You understand what I'm saying? It's to glorify Amen. him. You're never, and you're, he's not going to put you through nothing that you can't handle too much. So we like like we're going to go back. We're going we're gonna to go back to what we were talking about a little bit at first about the coronavirus and inside incarceration. Or yes, sir. what are some of the things you could, you think they can we can they uh, the system can do that ought to improve what's going on right now with 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 the with the, with the uh, inmates being infected. What what well, steps you think be done? Well, number one, I think all the nonviolent offenders need to be cut loose. I think that they need to test. Screen them all before they let them out into public. Screen them out and test them before they get out. As they're nonviolent, uh, uh, like he said a while ago, set them a court date and set them free. And so the court date might end up being five or six, ten years ago. It might be a case to get thrown out later. But why keep somebody in there when you can't quarantine the rest of them because they're all crowded up? You've got to let people go. There's no way that you cannot let people go and quarantine them. Because you have to separate them. You see what I'm saying? Where you got two or three people in one cell, or you got 50 people in a tank, it can't, it can't be like that. You can't quarantine like that. Everybody's coughing, sneezing, this and that. It just can't be like that. You can give them a mask, it still can't be like that, because they got to get in the same shower, they got to do this, 
We got to touch the same thing to get your food. We got to sit at the same table. It just won't work. And so the only way it's going to work if they release people with minor cases. And I mean everything. And they got enough people with minor cases to release them because we know that they locked you up for nothing. We all know not, bro, Sweden, bro, Lewis. They got a blood test that came out Monday. And it's a Friday. It should be out for uh, everybody right now. What it do is it tests the uh, antibodies in your blood to see if you've already been exposed to it whether you already got it and you're not showing any symptoms. So there's something else inside that swab test they got out right now. And I don't know how much it costs. I don't know what, what the influence or whatever can cover. But it's, it's more it's supposed to be available right now. And, and I don't hear anybody saying anything about it. Well, let me show you something about the way I feel about that. I, I should be done with well, okay, let me tell you the way I feel about that. We have to realize also when something come up like this, they use a lot of tests on us. They, you see what I'm saying? They use a lot of tests on us. And it, it, they may not be no good. It may hurt us even more. You know what I mean? So my number one thing is just being connected with Jesus. That's my number one thing. Now, I'm listening for what they're coming up with, but I'm not in that big of a hurry to run get something that they don't even know nothing about. So what you saying, if somebody come out with a vaccine, you wouldn't exactly take it when it first come out. No, I'm what I'm saying is, if they come out with a vaccine and I'm about to die, uh, you know, I'm 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 willing to do whatever it takes to survive. But uh, mm-hmm. just just to just to jump on everything that they come out. And if you read in the news, they tell you about different people coming out with different stuff that they say that's a cure. That's not even a cure. Some stuff that they ain't even heard about is a cure. Yeah. So we have to watch out for a lot of falls, like false prophecies. And stuff like that. We have to watch out for a lot of things. You see what I'm saying? And so what yeah, you heard, did, did it come from the horse's mouth or did it come from the mule's mouth? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you said. We got to be wise at these things. And, and Brother That's C, right. I want to thank you, brother. Our time is running out, man. But this has been a very enlightful conversation. And I'm so glad that you're a friend of mine and you're a friend of the program. Because you give us some insight on some things that I'm not aware of or in depth of knowledge of that you do about the jail ministry and about the prison and about jail reform. You know, jail reform should be on the forefront of people's mind all the time, especially at this time here. And you were saying that, that right. we need to uh, reduce the jail population not only here in, in Dallas County, uh, Tarrant County, uh, uh, the state of Texas, but nationwide. In order to do that, we need to have men and women at, uh, that's on the forefront. We need to have our elected officials to be involved in some things that we do uh, that we did. We know we got people that's in office that this still does resonate with on their conscience. Now, uh, what was some of the things that you would suggest uh, that you would recommend for us to get to some of our elected officials or uh, some of the people that's on the parole board, uh, that some of the people that's in the justice system, to let them know that we care about this here, to let them know that, well, hey, let, we expect let, them to do some things because we elected them. Right, right. That, and that's what we do with top Texas organizations for projects. That's what we do. We, we we get in contact. We are in contact with all officials, with the parole board. We go we with uh, John Wally Pies, all of them. We go straight up to them. We have, we have the DA get elected. We have people get elected that promise us they're going to do for the people this and do that for the people. We go out and campaign. That's what we do. That's what we do. And we get the people in that's going to help us. Not help me financially or help me personally, but help my people that are struggling. You know, who's going to do the right thing? We have to get out and get the right thing, the right people in for the right thing that's going to do the right thing. Everybody can get out and say, the kids are our future and this and that. And then when they get in office, they don't do a thing. You see what I'm saying? So we have to get the right that's people. That's so true. And it's time we start getting some people from the neighborhood, start getting some people from our neighborhood. I had a big problem with my uh, city council for this area. He was up there at the park and he was talking all that big sick stuff about this and that and making changes for my neighborhood and a Spanish guy. And I asked him, how can you make changes for me? And you can't even name five streets in South Dallas. You never lived in South Dallas, but you can call the shots for my neighborhood. How can you do that? You understand you know, what I'm saying? So true. I need somebody out of my neighborhood no that know what's going on. They have no connection in the neighborhood. Are you so, and that's true. None that's so whatsoever. True. None. And so it's, it's a bad, it's a bad thing. So we just have to get involved. And I I encourage these guys that's listening right now 
uh, guys that's on the phone to get in touch with uh, Top Texas Organization Project and, and tell them Mike told you to call and what can you do to make a difference. We work with nursing homes. We work with schools, make sure the bullying stops in schools. We work with jails. We work with everything. So please get in touch and just tell them Mike told you to call. And let's join hands and make a difference. Let's the next time we get on this Lewis show, let, let's be able to tell something we did this week. <laughs> you know, we go in the courts and we make judges turn their chair scared to death to look at us because we ask it for justice for whoever that's in there, no matter what they did. Mm-hmm. Y'all understand? So please, let's just join together. We got to make a difference. My mother and dad always told me if you don't if you don't fall for something, you fall for anything. They always told me that. And I believe that. If you don't fight, if you don't fall for something, you're gonna fall for anything. Hmm. And, 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 you know, and I know what you're saying, and, and, and it, it resonates with me. And I pray that it resonates with our listening audience and that the people that's being compelled to do something, to do something. You know, each and every week I that's say, right. help change your life in Jesus' name. What you're doing and what the organization that you're associated with and that you're connected to, they're changing life, not only for this generation, but for generations to come. Because this jail reform is, this is a, a generational thing, the same thing that plagued granddaddy and great granddaddy. It's also Amen. their state, you know, uh, the food, the uh, medical, uh, just the living environment. Uh, in the summertime, they talk about no air condition. In the wintertime, when somebody's in the prisons, they talk about no heater. And now we got uh, uh, this coronavirus. Now they talk about no, not the proper medical care. We pray that something do, could be done at this here season. We're going to go before God Amen. and petition. And after we get through praying, we're going to get up and put our hands to the plow. And we're gonna try to Amen. make a difference in our neighborhood, in our in our communities. You know, uh, I believe in prayer, but after prayer, you get up. Jesus said, after he got through praying, he got up and took care of his father's business. I encourage you, men and women that like that prayer warriors. Once you finish praying, get up and put your hand to the plow. Say, God, what would you Amen. have me to do? Mike, I'm getting ready to get on out of here, but I want to thank you for lending your voice to the program. It's you and people like you that makes a difference. That's the reason why we get up each and every Saturday morning, because God allows to, but he also touches people like you, your heart. You know, Saturday mornings is a very special time. Saturday morning is a time you get back and relax and just think about how good God been with you this week, but yet you spent your time with me. Saturday morning is your time, but you spend it with me and the Lord. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I want you to be safe today and the, up, and, and the rest of the week and the remainder of the day that we're going through this uh, Pandora, uh, through this dreadful disease, pan, pandemic disease. And I want you to be sheltered in place as often as possible, but in the presence of the Lord at all times. Because he, he's our Amen. He's our rock. He's our shield. He's our all in all. Mike, we're getting ready to get on out of here, brother. But before I get out of here, I'd just like to have a word of prayer. Just thank you, man. And thank our listeners. Amen. Audience. And just thank God for what he's doing in our life. Thank you, Brother Daniel, for being a part of the show. Could never done it without you. Uh, you can go back and listen to the show. It's in entirety. So it's in our archive section. It's a part of our Facebook page. So go back and listen to it. And it's called the Coronavirus Behind Bars. As I said, we want to break that demonic spirit behind bars and also out here in the free world, too. So we pray that God intervenes through the men and women and the elected officials and the doctors break this thing. And that we black people in the black race, we take this thing serious. And we take our health matters into our own hands. Yes, the doctor said this. Yes, the, uh, the D.C. D says this, but what is God telling me to do in such a time as this? in place, but in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Grace Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Dear Lord, we thank you for what we experienced today. We thank you for the guest that was here, Michael. Dear Lord, he's sharing his his t- intake and his desire, dear Lord, to make things right behind jail. The prison reform is what we talk about. Coronavirus behind bars is what we talk about. Dear Lord, let us not only talk about it, but let us feel about it. Let us uh, make an uh, effort, dear Lord. Let us be committed, dear Lord, to change the lives of, of our elected officials concerning the dreadful disease. Let, us know, let them know, dear Lord, that some men and women don't need to be behind bars for minor offense, dear Lord. Let them go, dear Lord. 
that they could be useful and successful in this society. Lord, Lord, we pray for all those that have been affected by this dreadful disease. Lord, we pray for those that are on their bed of affliction. Let them know, dear Lord, that you ain't through with them. Let them know, dear Lord, that you're a way back. Let you let them know that you're the, uh, that you're a healer. Dear Lord, we pray for those that have lost their family, the loved ones, dear Lord, because of what's going on. We pray for you to get them comfort and an assurance that everything's going to be all right. Dear Lord, we know that you're in charge. We know, dear Lord, it's nothing to go before you without you, uh, without your approval. Dear Lord, we can't understand what's going on t- today with this virus, dear Lord, but we know that you're still in charge. We ask you to watch over us and protect us for today and the days to come. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Enjoy the balance of your day.